What is this? Are you trying to trick me? I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. We are in the midst of the Christmas season and it's time for our annual Christmas episodes. I say episodes because I've talked a lot about Christmas over the years. I counted it up and in four seasons, I've done 13 Christmas episodes. I like Christmas, what can I say? So when I sat down to do an episode this week, I started going over the previous episodes I've done. And I thought about this story, I thought about that story, and just like that old crazy uncle who shows up at your Christmas parties, tells the same stories year after year, I did notice that I've mentioned a couple of the same stories over and over. And I've talked about this. This is the traditional storytelling time. Families get together. We remember all the crazy stuff that's happened over the years. And there are certain stories that just stick out. There are certain things that have happened over the years that we just remember. They're like touchstones. We go back to them year after year, and we pass them down generation to generation. Things that happened to my parents, I can pass on to my kids. That's the thing that keeps family traditions alive. You tell these stories at the holidays when everybody's together. So I decided what I would do today is put together some of my favorite stories from the first three seasons. Is it another best of episode? Yeah, I guess it is. It's a best of Christmas episode. But I figured, rather than retell the stories, I'll just replay the stories. I mean, the stories are still great. I still love telling the stories, so I figured I'd just share them with you again. Now, of course, before we do that, as has become our habit here, we are going to the Christmas room. We had the Christmas room specially built. Okay, it's the Halloween room, but we redecorated Christmas time. Mr. Agador and I put in a lot of time. So yes, if you'll indulge me, we're going to stroll down the hall to the Christmas room. We're going to get ourselves in the mood. We're going to get all Christmassy. We're going to get the Christmas spirit flowing. And yes, of course it still does this when we open the door. Why would we change that? It's Christmas time. And yes, of course we have the roaring fire going in the fireplace. Because it's Christmas time. How can you have Christmas spirit without the roaring fire? I know. People do it all the time. Florida Christmas, there's no roaring fire. Christmas in Australia, there's no roaring fire. But here in the Storytime Studios, we have a roaring fire. So here we go. We've got stories for you today about the Sears Catalog Wish Book. I'm actually going to talk about Christmas and how it was banned in the United States years ago by Christians. Okay, technically it was before this was the United States, but still, it was this continent. Oh, you're going to get some hard truths about Christmas today. That's part of the excitement. And finally, I'm going to talk about my beloved Uncle John. That's last on the list of our best of Christmas stories. If you haven't heard these stories from the first three seasons, I hope you enjoy them. And if you have heard them, I hope you enjoy them again. So sit back, enjoy the fire, and enjoy these best of storytime Christmas stories. It's Christmas time. It's the Christmas season. We are there. We are there. It's time for presents. It's time for family. It's time for all the good stuff that we always got excited for. Oh my God, when I was growing up, Christmas time, the week before Christmas never ended. Christmas time was so exciting. You were anticipating everything. Oh my God, I looked forward to Christmas so much. The buildup was something, man. I'm telling you, it was a process. It was a slow boil that was just getting hotter and hotter as time went on. And it started 
right around Thanksgiving time, and it was a slow build up through December 25th. Now, the build for us started when I was a kid, when that first Sears catalog came. They used to call it the Wish Book. Sears Roebuck & Company was the big department store, but not only were they a department store, but they were a catalog store. Long before the days of Amazon, long before the days you could search online for whatever you wanted, most of the companies out there would put out a catalog. A catalog was a giant book. The catalog had pictures of everything that they were selling, and you would page through the catalog and find what you wanted, then place an order, and a few weeks later, it would arrive in the mail. And Sears was the biggest retailer around. They put out their Christmas catalog sometime in November, and they mailed it to everybody who was on their mailing list. And we were on the Sears mailing list. And God bless my soul, I was so happy that we were, because we looked forward to that wish book coming out every year. Every year we were sitting by the mailbox, because the wish book was called the wish book for a reason. It had everything you could possibly wish for listed for sale. We didn't get to go to malls because there weren't any. There were stores, but there weren't any shopping malls. Not when I was a real little kid. At least none near us. So our shopping involved paging through the wish book. So that catalog would come in the mail. And we'd be ripping it open and we'd be trying to get to the pages with the... With the, with the toys in it, because that's all we were interested in. And we'd page through and get past the tractors and the ladies' lingerie. I'd get to that later in life. But right now, we didn't care. We were going for the catalog pages filled with uh, all of the toys. All of the toys you could ever want as a kid. They were there in the Sears wish book. So you would get that wish book out and you'd page through and you'd go, okay, get... Get past the dolls right there. I don't need the dolls. Race cars. Oh, a race. Oh, yeah, though. Oh, wait. Look at that. G.I. Joe action figures. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Those are cool. Oh, my God. A train set. A train set would be awesome. That would be so cool. And it. Oh, toy guns. Cowboy guns. Oh, look at the pearl handles on those. Oh, my God. Those are amazing. Everything that you saw, you wanted. You wanted a list that was 700 pages long with everything that you could think of. But you knew you really couldn't ask for that because, you know, Santa's Santa, but he doesn't bring you everything you ask for. And you have to be especially good to get even a couple of things on the list. Oh, my God, that was drilled into us. Mom was right there with the, well, you know, Santa sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. Yeah, yeah, I know, Mom, I know. I've been good this year. Well, you were kind of mean to your brother last week. Oh, Mom, it wasn't that bad, and he started it. Oh, we kept logs of everything that we did, and we were so good the last couple of months of the year. Boy, that stretch from Thanksgiving to Christmas, we were on our best behavior because you never knew when Santa might be looking in. And oh, yeah, I sat down with that wish book, and I kept my behavior the best it could possibly be as I compiled my list to Santa. And I'd sit down with a pad of paper and a pencil, I was so excited every year to write my letter to Santa. Dear Santa, those were the most important words that you could write. And I had to pick wisely. I had to pick the things wisely that I would include on my list to Santa. Because somehow or other, I knew there was some kind of connection. Somehow mom and dad always told Santa the stuff that I wasn't allowed to have. 
So even though I saw the pearl-handled cowboy guns in the Sears catalog, I knew I wasn't getting them. Because even if Santa was going to make them and bring them to other kids, I knew Mom and Dad didn't want me playing with guns. That's why I had to go into the woods to find sticks that were in the shape of guns, because I was never allowed to have guns when I was a kid. But a kid could dream. And boy, that's what Christmas was all about. Dreaming about the things, oh, I might get this. Oh, I might get that. And when you're a kid, that's what you live for. The hopes and dreams of all of the toys and things that you saw during the year, that's what you were hoping to get on Christmas morning. Now, getting through the days leading up to Christmas and Christmas break, oh my goodness, it was such a drag going through school. There was always homework and they always gave us projects. And in school, there was the inevitable Christmas concert. I was in band, so we would always have a Christmas concert. And back in those days, we actually did still play Christmas carols at the Christmas concert. And I'm not saying that to be offensive to anybody. Things have changed over the years. Christmas was a huge focal point, and the religious aspects of Christmas were a huge focal point of everything we learned in music, in chorus, and in band. It was just the way things were. So that's why we knew all of the Christmas carols. Hark the herald angels sing. Joy to the world. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a different thing. When you grow up learning, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king. You learn that stuff, and you understand what it means. So back when I was growing up, we didn't lose sight of what the point of Christmas was. Yes, there was presents, and yes, there was toys, and yes, there was gifts and giving. But there was also that aspect of the holiday that was related to religion, because it is a religious holiday for a lot of people. Again, not a bad thing, not a good thing. It's just a different way that life was. All right, this is where we're going to tell some hard truths. This may come as a shock, but Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I know, it's kind of hard to believe, right? If you know your Bible, you know that the Bible actually doesn't say when Jesus was born. There's no date. You may have heard this before, and maybe you haven't. But December 25th coincides with a lot of midwinter festivals that were already in existence at the time that the church decided to celebrate December 25th as Christmas Day. And when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the Catholic Church, because not all of the churches, not all of the religions decided on this at the same time. It wasn't like everybody looked at the Bible and said, aha, December 25th, well, that's the day. It wasn't until about 400 years, 400 years after the birth of Christ, that they decided to start celebrating December 25th. Now, the midwinter festivals that were in existence at the time, what they euphemistically call pagan festivals, were celebrating the end of the year. When the harvests were done, when there was nothing left to do, people would have parties around the winter solstice, December 21st. The night comes in early, people needed things to cheer themselves up and celebrate the end of the harvest. So you'd have a big party. That's what the pagan festivals were all about. And pagan isn't a bad thing. It really essentially means non-Christian. Back in the first few centuries after Jesus, the Christian missionaries called everybody who had a local, regional, non-Christian religion pagan. But Christianity adopted their festivals and accepted their festivals and kind of co-opted those festivals to become part of the Christmas tradition. And the Christmas festival took bits and pieces from these festivals and traditions and incorporated them into the Christmas celebration. 
For instance, the Christmas tree didn't really come into being until about the 17th century. That's 1,700 years after Jesus. And the Christmas tree is derived from the pagan practice of bringing greenery indoors to decorate in the middle of the winter, to make it look festive, to make it look green, to remind us that winter isn't the be-all and end-all, that spring is coming. Because don't forget, Jesus was born in the Middle East. There aren't a lot of Christmas trees there. Fir trees, spruce trees, not native to the Mediterranean, just so you know. Santa Claus, not notorious for his Mediterranean roots either. He comes from England's Father Christmas, another pagan figure, who originally wasn't even a gift giver. Father Christmas and his other European variations, because every country has one, is really a modern incarnation of the old non-Christian ideas of spirits who traveled the sky in midwinter. That's where Santa Claus actually comes from. And it has nothing to do with Jesus. But Christianity adopted these things to make them all part of Christmas, and they've evolved over the years. The other thing to keep in mind about Christmas, while the Catholic Church gradually, and I'm talking gradually over the course of hundreds of years, began to embrace Christmas, not all offshoots of Christianity did. People talk about the war on Christmas now. You want a war on Christmas? Back in the 1600s, the Puritans didn't like Christmas. The Puritans, also Christians, hated the festivals associated with the Christmas celebration. Too much drinking, too much celebrating, too much bawdy behavior. Christmas was actually banned in England under Oliver Cromwell. And in New England, here in the United States, it was illegal to celebrate Christmas in the 1600s. They just banned it. They didn't have a war about saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. They just said, nope, no Christmas, sorry. We're not celebrating that pagan holiday. Here's another thing about Christmas. Gift-giving wasn't always associated with Christmas. Gift-giving was actually a New Year's tradition. It wasn't until the Victorian era of the 1800s that gift-giving shifted to Christmas. It used to be that people would give gifts at the end of the year, kind of as a celebration of the end of the year. It was Queen Victoria who started giving gifts on Christmas Eve, and it caught on. There is so much out there about the history of Christmas, how it came to be, why it is the way it is today. And you can dig into it if you really, really want to. I'm just telling you this stuff as some background. Maybe it'll help make you feel better about the pressure you feel celebrating this holiday, which has been cobbled together over centuries to give us what we have today. I've talked about my uncle in the past. He was an annoying fellow. My uncle married my aunt, one of my dad's sisters, when they were both late in life. Uncle John, literally his name, was a salesman. I learned this as I got older. As a kid, all I knew was that my aunt was dating this guy, Uncle John, and they eventually got married. I also learned that Uncle John was what I would call these days a prototypical traveling salesman. He was one of those get-rich-quick kind of guys. Always had the next best thing that he was going to sell you. Always had a hot deal. In this day and age, to use a current example, he would be the kind of guy trying to sell some kind of COVID cream door-to-door. Hey, if you wipe this on your face and nose, you'll never get COVID. And he would buy a case of this crap and go door-to-door or put it on his website. That's the kind of guy Uncle John was. Uncle John was never the brightest bulb in the chandelier. And even as kids, we recognize this. But he married my aunt. And when my grandmother came over at Christmas, my dad's mom, she always brought my aunt and her husband, Uncle John. Now, Uncle John fancied himself just a charming individual. 
and he figured everybody loved him, and he thought that he had a wonderful way with kids. He did not, but he sure thought that way. I think people were nice to him to get rid of him. Just be nice to him and he'll go away. But when he's at your house at Christmas time, no matter how nice you are, he's not going away. The best example I have of how annoying Uncle John was is this. He insisted he was from Jupiter. He told us kids that he was from Jupiter, that he had a spaceship, that he hid the spaceship out in the woods in back of his house, and that he'd show it to us someday, but not today. And we wanted to see proof. Show us something from Jupiter, or show us the ship, or show us anything. And he would always say in this big booming voice, I'm not going to show it to you today, <laughs> but someday I will. And we knew that he was lying, and it made us crazy that he wouldn't just admit it. Because, you know, we were kids, but we weren't stupid. Nobody's from Jupiter. But Uncle John thought it was fun to give us this story, and it annoyed the crap out of all of us. All of us. So anytime Uncle John was coming over, it was always with a, oh, God, no, from us kids. But we were also well-behaved kids, so we didn't say anything when he was there. We just dealt with Uncle John, because that's what you do with family. You deal with them. As I said, we were just kids, but we weren't dumb. We were smart kids. And we recognized that Uncle John, as I said, not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. He just wasn't. That fact is important because of the Christmas present we gave him one year. We were shopping at the mall, and they had one of these woodworking stands. One of those little pop-up stands that they put in the mall between the shops. The kind of thing that only goes up during the holidays. And it was a local woodworker who made puzzles. Wooden puzzles. Where you would take the thing apart, and then you had to put it back together again. For instance, he would make a wooden cat, and the legs and the tail and the head were detachable. And in order to reform the cat, you had to fit the pieces together in the correct order and in the correct sequence. Because if you put the front left leg on and then the back left leg on, the pieces wouldn't fit together correctly because you had to put them on in the correct order. Front left leg, front right leg, so on. And as kids, we were always supposed to get presents for everybody. I've talked about this. We were responsible for buying our own Christmas gifts. And so the three of us kids decided to get Uncle John one of these wooden puzzles. So we were at the mall with Mom, and we showed her these puzzles. And while she didn't overrule the idea, she gave us one of those Mom comments. Well, are you sure this is something you want to give him? And something about the way she asked it suggested maybe this wasn't a good idea. Looking back now, I know that she was hinting around at the fact that Uncle John was never going to figure out this multi-piece cat puzzle. It just wasn't going to happen. She didn't say that to us because, you know, we were kids. She didn't want to tell the kids, well, your Uncle John is an idiot. She decided to avoid that specific thing. But we knew. And so we looked over all the puzzles on this stand. And we found what I think was the perfect puzzle. It was a big animal. I can't remember if it was a rhino or a hippo. But it was something like that. One of those big safari type animals. Rhino, hippo, something like that. And it consisted of three pieces. The head, which included the front legs. The middle, which was just the stomach and the back. And the back, which is the hind legs and the tail. That was it. Three pieces. And they fit together front, middle, back. It had the benefit of also being able to be assembled back, middle, front. The easiest puzzle the guy had on the stand. And we decided this was the puzzle we had to give Uncle John. And as we were buying it, I remember discussing whether or not Uncle John would be able to figure it out. We knew it was going to be a challenge. But being the charming little kids that we were, with that little streak of chaotic good, let's see what fun we can have with Uncle John, we got the puzzle. And I remember on Christmas Day, Uncle John opening up his present. And I remember him looking at it and saying in that loud voice of his, Oh, this is lovely, but what is it? And my dad happened to be sitting next to him and he said, Well, it's a puzzle. Ow! And my dad took the puzzle away from him, showed it to him, slid the three parts apart to show him the three parts, put it back together, and gave it back to him. My Uncle John then proceeded to puzzle over that puzzle for at least ten minutes 
trying to figure out how it came apart. When he finally did, it took him another 10 minutes to figure out how to put it back together again. It was probably the best, most satisfying 20 minutes we ever spent watching somebody puzzle over a Christmas puzzle. Because after all the years of the talk of Jupiter, it was our moment of kid revenge on Crazy Uncle John. Was it evil of us to do that? You know what? I think Uncle John earned that. I really do. Those are just a few of my favorite storytime moments from Christmas's past. With 13 Christmas episodes, there's a lot to choose from. But I wanted to share these particular ones with you this year. We'll be back again next week with a fresh Christmas episode for 2022. But until then, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for your support. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these episodes. And I can't thank you enough for all the time you spend here. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.